A bunch of people greeted me this morning and said, what are you doing here? It's like, I thought I work here, but that's a, yeah, maybe, so move along, something like that. Uh, maybe because the Wilsons are our guests this morning, and everybody remember the Wilsons? Yay, and we're glad they're... Your sobriety, I mean, celebrities here. We're singing to the glory of God, Amen. And I want you to stay standing because we're going to sing another song. It's a classic old hymn, and uh, I think you'll pick it up right away. We're doing it in the old classical style, piano. How fun is that? So, calm down. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and tongues, Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches were in their hands. They cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And how does that happen? It happens because people serve Jesus and speak about him both here and abroad on our behalf. And so people from every tribe, nation, and tongue have come into the family of God. And we're going to celebrate with them one day around the throne. So we're going to sing about that. Look at the words of this song as you sing it. Think about what it says. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song, and infant voices shall proclaim their early blessings on his name. So let's bless him. Sacrifice. 
Amen. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. There is good news for the captain. Good news for the shame. There is good news for the one who walked away. There is good news for the doubter. The one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. He is beauty for the blind man. Riches for the poor. He's friendship for the one the world ignores. He's passion for the weary. Rest for those who strive. Oh, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. Yes, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. So come and be chainless. Come and be fearless. Come to the foot of Calvary. There is redemption for every affliction. Here at the foot of Calvary. Come and be chainless. So come and be chainless, come and be fearless, come to the foot of Calvary. There is redemption for every affliction, here at the foot of Calvary. He's our rescuer, he's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. Amen. He's our rescuer. We're going to teach you a new one now. Uh, we've been praying around here for a long time for a, a movement of the Spirit. And uh, I think we're really seeing that, at least getting a taste of it. I don't know about you, but I want more. I want more. So I stumbled across this song, and it's all about that. It's all about recognizing the movement of the Spirit and chasing it and uh, seeing it. And So Ben's going to give you a verse, a chorus, and a bridge, and then we'll do it all together. Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. 
God, we believe. Yes, we can see. The wonders are still what you do. Here's the chorus. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. Set our hearts on you. Come and do what you do. Because we need to move. We need to move. And the bridge goes like this. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming. I think they got it. I think they're good. Yeah, wow. You guys are singing already. All right, sweet. All right. Hit it, Ashley. Yeah, me too, man. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of, of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Mountains are still being Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see it. The wonders are still what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We are here for you. Come and do. Set our hearts on you. Come and do what you do. Cause we need to move. We need to move. 
powerful name. What a wonderful name. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for being our Savior King, our, our Redeemer, our friend, our Lord, our God. Hear our praises this morning and speak to our hearts as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <gasps> you may be seated. Nice save, huh? It is time for Kingdom Kids, but don't get up yet. I have an announcement that's relevant, related, etc. Kingdom Kids, next Sunday is Superhero Sunday. Give that lady a sedative. Okay. Superhero Sunday. So, dress up like superheroes. The kids can do this. If I had had my wits about me, I'd had my superhero toy, Hawkman. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, really, Vin- Vince, Vince, who plays Sherlock from the worship team years ago, gave me a Hawkman superhero toy. It's on my shelf in my office. If you want to see it, no, you can't borrow it. When I borrow things, they disappear. Anyway. Dress up like superheroes, everyone and anyone, helpers, students, etc., leaders, worship team. What? Pastor, worship team, everybody. Not costumes, but shirts or what? No, you, well, you can if you want. We won't throw you out here. Yeah, you can come in as you are or as you want to be, whatever it is. So have fun with it. That's next week, all right? Kingdom kids, time to go, all right, and all our teams. Yay for our kiddos. While our kingdom kids are storming the gates, which they do, I'm going to ask the ushers, if they're here, to come on down. Uh, Dr. Ashley, I can't help but ask, did you have that same sense this morning, especially when we were singing, Jesus shall reign? 
Me too. It's happening. There was a uh, there was a sense of worship just flowing up here. You sounded like a choir in Europe, or better. And uh, so, how cool was that, right? And uh, we worshipped him with our words. This is our opportunity, as God has enabled us to worship him with our substance. And uh, so, let's pray together and give him glory. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Lord, the biggest gift in the exercise of your will, you brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among your creatures. First place, children, the ones you dote on, the ones that you delight in. And sometimes, Lord, we scratch our head and wonder about that. How is it that you delight in us? But you have done an amazing, supernatural, profound, miraculous, universe-transforming deed by changing the hearts of sinners. The heart of man is corrupt. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it, the scripture says. But you're able to put the new man in us Make us a new creation, and we are going to celebrate being in your presence and your great redemption forever. We've sung about that a little bit today. We worship you and bless you that it won't just be us who are, we know we're your favorites. But there's going to be a whole army of other favorites who don't look like us, sound like us, but up there we're going to understand each other and we're going to be bound together in an incredible eternal love. We don't get that totally, but Lord, it's all true. And in the meantime, somebody prayed this earlier. I don't remember whether it was in our prayer time for worship or here. You have chosen to let us be co-laborers with you. We get engaged in this process. You didn't do it by angelic work. You choose humans who have signed up as followers of Jesus to speak the truth. Our missionary uh, guests here today, the Wilsons, are, are evangelists. They have seen people come into the faith um, constantly. The name of Jesus is on their lips. And Lord, we need to grow in that as well. So, Father, today as we contribute to your purposes with our lives, that would be primary in our speech and our actions and deeds of love, etc. Besides the worship of our words, we want to give out of our substance to move your kingdom forward. And as has already been celebrated, we're grateful that your spirit has been stirring among us. We want the fullness, Lord. We want a move of the Spirit. We want the revival fire to fall on your people. And I know some of us may be scared to death to pray that way. And that would be right, but it's worth it. Help us, O God. Bless your people. Bless those who steward their time, their possessions, their substance, their resources, their lives. Bless them today as they give and help us get glory to your own name in this place. We ask in Jesus' wonderful name and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Thank you. Please uh, receive the offering this morning. I have a few announcements uh, to go through, if I may. And uh, it's been fun. I see a number of people that are uh, 
visiting or new, it's good to see Candace. I see you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, there's somebody up toward the front who's, who's been brought into bondage which, with this huge weight of a rock on her finger that, that is blinding me up here in the front row. Uh, congratulations in order right there. Is it okay that I did that? Oh, good. I thought, we're leaving the church, you know, so, especially when I say you're all invited to their party. No, I didn't. I didn't do it. That's not true. <laughs> I made that up. So anyway, God is working. There's some great things going on. Let me mention a couple things quickly. Next week, as I said, you've got to eat lunch anyway. Saturday, Harvest Festival here. If you can come and help set up or help clean up at the end or whatever, I already mentioned it. I'm going to get dunked. Jim Whittle, I want to borrow one of your wetsuits if I could. I'm going to be freezing, okay? And as you see, I don't have a lot of uh, insulation, so that might help. That's next week. And the 5K run is first thing in the morning, so participate if you like. I'm going to try it. My son-in-law is coming to try it. He's going to kill us. He's in the military. He's going to kill us, so he's going to be way ahead. He said he's going to run with me. We'll see. Anyway. Men's group, Tuesday night, big deal. This is a big deal. Talk to Brian. Bonfire at Jason Baruby's house. He just had back surgery. He's doing great, by the way. Praise the Lord. Where, Jason, where are you? Where, where are you? Stink. Is it too much? Can you stand or not? Yeah. Hey. So... You have to wait for the music to start next time. Wait for the music. And uh, dancing in church. I don't let me think about that. Brian, Brian's in charge of uh, the men's group. It's a team effort, a lot of good things. Stand up, Brian, so everybody knows who you are. He's here. So, Brian, thank you. Talk to them if you want to find your way out to, their house, to the house there. Beautiful spot out there. Um, I think I've covered almost everything. If you're visiting with us and you'd like to dialogue, have answers to questions, whatever, there's a little card in one of those little pockets. Fill it out. You can turn it into one of the ushers. Any of the staff, I'm going to introduce you to staff and elders in just a minute and uh, get your info to us because we'd love to know that you were here and we'd love to reach out to you with the love of Christ. And so there's that. There is lunch today. Yeah, if I know we have some people who really are on mission today. They have to come and go. They're going to run out. It's nothing personal, Rick, when they walk out in the middle of your sermon in a huff. No, they won't do that. Uh, they have to leave because they have some things. Some, one thing is a funeral that's a follow-up, and another thing is business for one of our elders, and so they have to slip out. But if you can stay, we have pizza and goodies and fellowship with the Wilsons before they go down to LaGuardia later today to fly out, okay? So we'd love to have you visit. These are great people, by the way. Uh, they like my wife's coffee. That's how I know they're great people. No, because my wife makes good coffee. But only if you're like a Duncan fan, not a Starbucks fan. If you're a star Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that vote of confidence. And those of you who are Starbucks people, I love you anyway. I forgive you. Yeah, so... It's like, a, what? It's acid. Anyway, I think I've covered everything except we asked for prayer this weekend. I know we didn't uh, broadcast it a lot, but Tim sent out an email and asked you to pray for us. 
I'm going to ask the um, elders in the room and the uh, pastoral staff to stand because we have a lot of new faces here. And uh, these are people you can recognize if you can't get your hands on me on a Sunday. These people can help minister to you, answer your questions, whatever. So Gene Bozick is one of the longstanding brothers in the church and came back when we renewed our elder board over a year ago now, praise the Lord. And um, so that's Gene Bozick. This is Derek. You can't miss Derek. I want to say Derek Prince. Why am I thinking Derek Prince? He's a preacher. <laughs> you are a prince. But uh, Derek Balaam, he is very spiritual. All you have to do is hear his accent, and you know he's spiritual, British accent. New man on the block, Dennis, uh, Dr. Dennis Ashley there. He's our Bible teacher in the Christian school, and uh, he's a really great addition. Steve Atulis. Uh, absolutely a great brother. He has probably interacted with you already, and if not, you're on the list. He's coming. He's, a, he's just a good, he's a go-getter type shepherd. And then uh, one more guy is, what's your name again, who I've known for 20? How many years ago did I marry you and your wife? Corey McGrail. And Corey and two of his kids were on the trip to Kenya, and uh, Corey is right there in the back. So we appreciate these brothers and are glad they're on the team. We got to, you guys can have a seat. We uh, snuck away Friday night and Saturday to meet with the Lord. And the passage that came to my mind to lead us into this was this. There were leaders, there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, this group of people, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and the first missionary journey was born. And we took that lead and, huh? Where's Tim? He went, that's why he didn't stand up. There was a guy up here on guitar. His name is Tim Strait, and he's our youth pastor and uh, an assistant pastor here. He does a great job uh, with our young people. So though, I'm sorry I left him out. I'll probably be in trouble at staff meeting this week. Okay. And uh, we, we met together and prayed, and I just want to report back that God cooperated with us and your prayers Our night, the first night, was set apart just to meet with God and hear from him and worship him, and he showed up. And uh, we had a wonderful weekend, and we'll share more about that in the weeks ahead, but I don't want to take any more time today because we have so much going on. This morning, the first uh, bullet I want to cover is um, our elders, and that's why I use that introduction. I asked them a few weeks back, We've been observing a sense of the Spirit striving with us, brooding over us, and do you have any words of encouragement? So last week, two, two of our brothers got a chance. We ran out of time, and so Corey, I knew, would flex, and he's going to come and share what was on his heart and encourage us as a congregation. So Corey McGrail, would you come on up and open some scripture to us? Thank you. No pressure at all right now. If you've ever stood up in front of a bunch of people, you know how I feel right now. Um, Hi. So, uh, (laughs) not yet. Um, I want to share real quickly. I've got nine extra minutes from last week. I had one minute last week. when, uh, well, first of all, thanks, John, for leading us this weekend. Um, that guy right there is the real deal. 
So um, I do want to say that publicly because uh, John is trustworthy. The leaders he's put in place at the church are trustworthy. And um, that's important for us when we all try to um, swear allegiance to Christ and allegiance to this church and what the mission is of what we're going to do moving forward. It's important to trust the folks that are um, at the front of the line, if that makes sense. So anyway, um, as we do try to um, uh, lead, one of the things that's important for me and I want to promote and model is authenticity and transparency in the Christian life. Um, There's a lot of posing that goes on in the Christian life, and that's just not me, and it's not... um, it's not how I live my life. I try to live authentically, and I try to live real, and I try to um, lead in that same manner. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, I'm standing up here, and we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety because that's what the last three weeks have been for me. <laughs> and so this little wooden thing doesn't shelter leadership from anxiety. Um, and uh, so uh, when I was going to share last week, uh, I talked uh, with Jess, and I said, hey, what's, what's on your mind this morning? What anxiety do you have this morning? And she <laughs> She listed off like 16 things in 15 seconds and just blah, 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 the kids and I got to pick them up at school and what about dinner and I've got to do this and I got to do that and spaghetti bowl of thoughts and I went, okay, so yeah, you're in this with me. Um, And so uh, what I thought through the midst of that was that most of you probably have the same thing going on maybe this morning. Some of you are bringing that anxiety to church, you're walking in the doors and um, we're all corporately trying to turn our face towards the Lord. Uh, and in the midst of that, we all have this stuff going on. I, as I was getting coffee, I heard a couple medical things folks were talking about. Um, one of my friends walked in with, you know, the six-year-old, four-year-old, you know, parenting look on their face. Of, you know, like, that's what I'm bringing in this morning, okay? Like, it's real. And um, that's what we bring to the Lord. We bring authenticity. We bring transparency. And he meets us where we're at. And so what I want to talk about this morning is out of First Peter, First Peter 5. I shared briefly last week about this. Um, if you want to grab your Bibles, I would also love for you to grab a pen and um, uh, something to write with, because I am going to ask you to write down something here in a second. Um, so while you're turning there, there's a couple Bibles in the front of the seats there. Um, you can use your phone app, whatever is the right thing for you to get in the Word. Um, 1 Peter 5 uh, says this. We're going to start in uh, verse 5b, okay? So uh, there's some specific instruction that's given to certain people in this text, and then we get to this part where it says, oh, and all of you, all the rest of you, every one of you, here's what you need to start paying attention to. So that's where I'm going to pick up. So 1 Peter 5, 5b, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. That's our text this morning, just real briefly. Uh, And what was on my mind over the last three weeks of all the anxiety that I was dealing with Um, some work concerns. Um, I think I've got two car accidents I'm dealing with Liberty Mutual over. I've got uh, school had started two weeks ago, so we're getting used to the new schedule uh, with the kids being in different places. Uh, I modified soccer coach for the Eldred uh, Eldred High School team, and so had the new schedule with that. And all this kind of tension and things were going on, and I'm thinking about just standing up here and going, ah, there's anxiety just with even, even that, you know. 
Um, so uh, what I'd love to do just real quickly uh, is for you to grab your pen and just put pen to paper on what it is that you have this morning that you're sensing a little bit of anxiety over. Um, and just write that, write that down. Um, I think it's important for us to identify what that looks like. For me, it has been um, a, long, <laughs> a long list. Give everybody a few seconds. If you don't have a pen, just mentally check that. And so this text says a couple things. Um, it says a few things about God. It says that, number one, he opposes the proud. We don't like to hear that, right? We're prideful humans. Um, we think we know all the answers. We think we've got all the answers. I think I know all the answers a lot of times. Um, but God opposes the proud. Not only does he not like the proud, but he, he opposes the proud. He's the offensive line pushing back the defensive line of pride that's coming at the quarterback. Okay, he like stands there doing this, not just in a res- reservation and in a in kind of a passive manner. He, he, he opposes it. He actually says, um, uh, you know, he resists it firmly, if that makes sense. So um, there's this opposition that God has to pride. There's also grace, then, that he gives to the humble. It says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Um, and so there's something we learn about God in this passage is that the other thing that we learn, at least that I pulled out of this is that he has a mighty hand, right? So if God has a mighty hand and he's the one that's capable and he's the one that's able to do all of this, then that's really where the answer lies, right? The the answer doesn't lie in our anxiety and trying to fix the problem on our own. Our anxiety and the solution to it is resolved by the one that has the mighty hand, right? And so so what's hard for us a lot of times is that we just don't believe God has a mighty hand. I mean, like, let's be honest with each other. You know, like, do you believe sitting here right now that God has a hand that's mighty enough that he would do something on your behalf? If you were to come and take your anxiety and you were to cast it in front of him, what would he do with it? You know, is, 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 are you worth it enough for him to do something with it? Um, and so some of those are the things that were going through my mind last week, and, and I got to a place where I had to just sit down, and I, and I started writing down all those anxious thoughts, and the Lord turned my mind um, through Psalm fifty-five twenty-two. Gene read it this weekend, uh, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Um, uh, he will never let the righteous be shaken. And First Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so I want you to hear a couple things. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to you if you humble yourself, right? If you come pridefully, nobody comes pridefully and throws and casts anxiety on somebody, right? Because they know they're not going to do anything about it. I got this solved. I don't need you. So why would I throw these things in front of you so that you can fix them? Um, The humble are the ones who say, I'm not big enough. I'm not great enough. I can't solve this on my own. And they say, here, take this. Do something with it. Please, God, (laughs) on my behalf, do something. Change the situation because I'm throwing this in front of you. And so my anxiety went from a place of going um, just, yeah, a lot of frustration, a lot of kind of disappointment. Uh, What am I going to do with this? I don't know what to do. Uh, You know, a little bit of depression. Uh, Like this on one day. The next day I'm like, okay. I don't know. None of you guys feel any of that ever? Just me? Okay. So you're tracking with me. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, and so after I did that, there was a distinct sense that the Lord had taken my cares. It wasn't all the anxiety that went. Like, and one of the things that's important to hear in this scripture, when the Apostle Peter says to us, um, God opposes the proud, He's identifying that we often can be proud. That's a normal thing, okay? When he's saying, cast your anxieties before the Lord, he's identifying that we as humans, the normal experience is to sense and feel pride and anxiety. So it's normal, and it's okay. It's, it's what we do with it that makes the difference. Um, so, uh, so what I would encourage you with this morning uh, are a few things. Um, cast because he cares. Um, cast in the sense that I'm not dropping a pebble here for in the in the wishing well. I am taking the anxiety and the thoughts and the and the and the things that you all wrote down on your paper a few minutes ago, and um, and he's willing to let you cast them on him. That's the distinction between the believer and the non-believer. This is not an option for the non-believer. Oh, I shouldn't say that, that in that manner. This is a distinct uh, offering to the Christian that you can do if you want to do it. It's something that's offered to you. God offers it to you. He doesn't demand it. There is some, um, uh, there's a few things in here that God asks us to do. He says, humble yourself. And then he says, clothe yourselves in humility. Like, put the, put the pride in the trash can, grab the new clothes off the ironing board, and put them on, and then cast all of this on to me. And so what I want to encourage you with is that you do have someone who cares for you. I said that last week. God does care for you in the situation that you're in. Um, There's a reason that you're sitting here this morning hearing this, and he wants you to hear that he cares for you. Um, You have a distinct uh, distinct fingerprint that God uh, created, and um, you have a distinct facial recognition that would make your iPhone work when it looks at you and tells you something. Out of the seven-plus billion people in the world, God has said you're special and you matter. And, um, and he's offered this opportunity to you. So, number one, he cares for you. Number two, you're, you're valued by the chief shepherd. That's some language just prior to this text. Um, and then his mighty hand, the same one that freed the Israelites. And as you read the Old Testament, you see all the things that God did for the people of God are at your disposal, okay? That's the one that we're casting our anxiety in front of. Not a, a mute God who can't do anything. Like, like it's one thing if he was to say, put all this in front of me and I'll think about it. I'll see what I can do. I don't have the power to do anything. The reality with this is that God is reminding us that his hand is the mighty one. That when we place those things at his feet, he will show himself strong on our behalf. He will take the anxiety. He will take that stuff from us. And so... That's my encouragement to you. Cast because he cares. Um, You are important. You're valued. You're cared for. A lot of you haven't heard that this week, and you need to hear today that the creator, king of kings, God of the universe, cares for you. All right. Thanks. You didn't seem all that nervous there, Corey. That was good. So we have some good men on the team. Amen? We're glad. Okay, we're going to turn the rest of our time over to our guest missionaries today. And uh, I think, Diana, are you first? Yes. And uh, we got our signals crossed because her shirt is from Myanmar and mine's from Africa. So I don't know how this is going to work. It'll work. You're going to take over now, right? God bless you. (laughs) Good morning. 
Well, I'm so glad to be here, and thank you for allowing Rick and I to come and share with you this morning. And I'm so glad that Pastor John said we have until 2 o'clock because we have a lot to share. <laughs> Actually, I said 3 o'clock. Okay. Anyway, um, it's really great to see a lot of familiar faces, and there are some faces that I don't recognize, and so I'd like to kind of give you just a brief um, background of who Rick and I are. We've been missionaries for almost 32 years. It'll be this coming January will be 32 years that we were appointed, and it doesn't seem possible these years have gone by so quick, but you guys have been a part of our ministry for almost all of those years. And so can you imagine, out of all the people that we have seen come to the Lord, that you guys are going to have a part of that in heaven. And so that's the exciting part that I can't even imagine. There'll be people there that will be coming up to you thanking you because of what you did for them, for the kingdom. And so we want to thank you for that. Um, when we were appointed, we were in Caracas, Venezuela for 10 years. And we saw lots of people come to the Lord and three churches planted. It was amazing ministry, but God um, led us out of that. In the year 2000, we came back to the States, and we settled in Charlotte, North Carolina. So that's where our base is. We have two kids, and we have nine grandkids. Is that amazing to get nine nine grandkids out of just two kids? But um, when we're home, we're busy with that, but... Um, we started working right away in um, a relief ministry that kind of is a holistic approach to where we go and we see how we can help economically, and then we go and we really um, target widows and orphans. And I want to read you one scripture. It's in James 1.27. It says, Religion that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so as we are in countries that we have worked in, whether it's Venezuela, whether it's Romania, whether it's Serbia, whether it's Sudan, whether it's Kenya, or whether it is Myanmar, we see that the two um, types of people that really suffer are widows and orphans. But then how do you go to a widow who is living in a cave with three children, no food, nothing, and you tell her that God has a wonderful plan for her life? And so we just could not do that. And so that's why in each country that we have worked in, that we try to come up with an economic plan to help these widows and these orphans to survive. But not only survive, but to show them that really their hope is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there's so many stories that we could share with you, and I just wish we had time, but we don't. So we started out in, um, after Caracas, Venezuela, we were involved in Romania, we were involved in Serbia, and then we moved um, into Kenya, and we have been in Kenya for 18 years, and we're so grateful that you allowed eight people from this church to come and be with us this summer. And, you know, I told them, I said, it's actually 
after taking tons and tons of teams, that this was the best team ever. They had the best vacation Bible school. They were so well organized. There was absolutely no drama. Um, It was amazing. So I want to thank them so much because we had 38 people this past summer come. And so that was a lot to care for and take care of. But your team, you should be very, very, um, I know you shouldn't use the word proud, but we were so proud. And as we um, gathered each night to have a debrief and we had dinner and we had prayer time, we had a little um, devotion. And so I don't, I think it was one of your team that said, you know what, God did not only show up each day, but he showed off. And I honestly believe that that was true because it was an amazing experience. So I want to thank you for that. Now, as we move forward, um, we, our last project that we're going to be involved in, we've been in Myanmar for the last 11 or 12 years. We've been praying for some land um, to build a a multi-purpose center. That's what they're calling it there. And actually, we raised the money Last year, we bought the land, and now the building is going up as we're sitting right here. And that's so significant because when we started there, we it was really hard. We had to meet at night. We, we, it was very dangerous, but it's kind of opened up, so now is the time to go in and do what we're doing because you never know. Tomorrow, it could close down again. And so I just ask that you would pray for us as we go and as we complete this building Probably next November, December, we want to take a team. This past year, and when you when this team went, we had a celebration, and we handed over the baton to the Kenyans after 18 years. And now this time in November, we're going to have a celebration of this building for some orphans that have been with us for all these years. And they're going to have a new place. It's going to be a church. It's going to be a place where... All the pastors and all the villages can come back and meet a couple times a year. And it's going to be a presence in the community of 97% Buddhists. We're going to have a Christian school. So these little Buddhist kids are going to be coming to our school because it's going to be the best school in the area. And they're going to send them there. So all these kids are going to be raised up in a Christian school, and they're going to hear for the first time. And you guys are part of that. Is that not exciting? So we just want to thank you so much. And so right now, publicly, I want to invite Pastor John and whoever wants to come um, next year, November, December, and help us celebrate um, with this. It's just going to be amazing, and they are so excited. And so the last thing I want to do is I want to invite the Kenyan team to come up, and they are going to teach you a song that was an amazing song in Kenya that they did in the VBS. So everybody that was um, in Kenya in um, June, and Eli is going to lead us. And so, and then what we want you guys, since you have to participate, you have to stand up. And then have a lot of room in between you guys. So this will help you get ready for Rick's sermon to wake you up again. So everybody stand up. Thank you. God bless you. Hello. Absolutely 
Bananas um, is what you call. So it starts like this. We go bananas unite. You go like this, and you go just you go pew bananas pew pew bananas pew bananas pew pew bananas. Then you chop bananas chop chop bananas chop bananas chop chop bananas mash bananas mash mash bananas mash bananas mash mash bananas eat bananas eat eat bananas. Eat bananas, eat, eat bananas, then you go bananas, go, go bananas, go bananas, go, go bananas, then you go bananas, go, go bananas, go bananas, go, go bananas, bananas unite. All right, so now on this time we have to go quieter, and then on the last time we're gonna go really crazy, and I want to see you guys go crazy because you just got engaged, right? So. That was like bananas. Is it on now? Talk. It on. Hello. Yep. It's on. All right. I'm yeah, in most places I just have a big mouth and that's what happens. I just speak. Well, listen, it, I am really happy to be here and uh, to be with you again and to, to speak. And um, yeah, anxiety is, I, I got more anxiety, anxiety in me when Corey was speaking. Usually I can just kind of get up and the more he spoke, the more anxious I got. And I'm like, I don't even want to get up, you know. It's like I started sweating, and it's going to be a mess up here. But at least people were smart. They didn't get in the spray zone because that's, uh, that's where it's at. I don't think I'd go to the second. But if I do, just wipe it away. It's not, uh, it won't kill you, I don't think. So, 
But I am happy to be here and to be with you. And, and I'm excited uh, about a church that's excited about Jesus. Because the truth is, yeah, you can clap for Jesus and, and for what he's doing in your midst. Because the truth is, uh, he has always been with us. And uh, that's why it says that, that uh, his, one of his names is Emmanuel, right? God with us. And hopefully we can uh, use a little bit of that scripture today in this message that I have. And my messages really aren't uh, deep theological type things because it's not what I do. Uh, but uh, I hope they're practical and I hope that you walk away with a sense of, man, I want to be used by God. And uh, because that's really where it's at. Uh, you may say you may think you don't know anything, but the truth is, you know that God loves you and you can share that much. And so that's where I want to motivate you. And that's where I want to help you understand if if we can do this together, uh, you, you sing some really awesome songs. And uh, but if we can do this together and, it, and, and if God can use me, a, a uh, person from Pueblo, Colorado, who shouldn't be a Christian. I should be in prison somewhere, I think, uh, or I should be somewhere somewhere. It's not it's just not that I got in a lot of trouble and stuff like that. I was a regular kid. I got in trouble uh, a lot, throwing water balloons at, at teachers and doing those kinds of things like that. I, I mean, I was that kind of a kid, but, but, but I know from a fact, from the family that God saved me out of, uh, you know, I could have probably gotten a lot more trouble than, than and maybe some, some trouble with the law even more and more, like a lot of my relatives. But I'm here by the grace of God because some way somebody told me about Jesus and I put my faith in in Jesus. And it was a faith that I didn't know that was going to rock my foundation forever. In fact, I just heard the beautiful message of Jesus, that he loved me, that he died for me, that he was raised for me, and he was seated at the right hand of God for me. It was a simple message. I, didn't, I don't even know if I understood it all. But when, when the, the, the young girl that told me about it in a Sunday school class that I should have never been in, but I, but I was in that class because my brother turned 18 in December of his senior year in high school. And in Colorado in those days at 18, guess what? You could buy beer. 3-2 beer, but you could buy it. So being an entrepreneur, coming from an entrepreneur family, he decided to buy beer and sell it out of the back of his trunk uh, in the school parking lot. And he got caught so many times that he had to go see the judge. And so the judge says, yeah, you know what? You need to go to a reformatory. And there was such a thing for 18 and 20-year-olds in those days. I, I think they send young kids just right to prison today. But in those days, they had a, a little bit older place to send uh, kids like my brother. But he says, but I know this preacher. You go talk to this preacher. If he's willing to counsel with you, you won't go there. You'll just stick with him. And so they went there on a Saturday. And when they came home, they said, we're all going to church. And I'm thinking, great Scott, what the heck is church? I have no idea what church is. And so I get up that morning. I go. And after a couple Sundays, sure enough, those little Baptist people, they're tricky people. Because they get the cutest little Sunday school teachers to teach you about Jesus. And, and most of us were guys in that class, I think. And it was like, whatever she said, I liked it. And I didn't know, I didn't know what it was going to take for all these years. But when I walked out of there, I knew there was something different. I just loved God. And, uh, and my family, for the longest time, was weirded out about me. In fact, I remember one time preaching to my brother. And just uh, preaching, or let's say proclaiming. Let's use that word. Proclaiming Jesus to him. He, he got so mad one time, put his paintbrush down. And he says, listen, if you're going to talk about Jesus all the time, why don't you go to school and get an education and start preaching about Jesus? I said, that is a good idea. 
And I went home and told Diana, and she said, I was having a uh, bad dream. You should wake up because we're, we're not going to go off to school. I was, you know, I was 26 years old, and, uh, and uh, you know, but by the time I prayed for her for a couple years, she said, you know that time you had that thought? Maybe we should do it. And now anxiety came, selling a house and moving off at 28 years, going to college. Could you imagine? All the young, people are a lot younger than me. You guys are young. How old are you guys? You're 21 and you're, and you're 20. You know, my wife met me, when, or I met her when she was 15. She fell madly in love with me and asked me to marry her. Now, that's my story. I like that one, but it's not the true one. But she, she was 18 when we got married, and I was 20. And I'm so happy because if I didn't ever find her, I don't think anybody would want me. But uh, she, she's been a, a, a double catch since then. You're a lucky man. You're blessed to have such a nice-looking girl. And uh, it's good if you can get married young. You grow up together, and you learn a lot of lessons. Bless you guys. So God is good and giving us families and giving us what we need at the right time. But here's my challenge to you. It comes in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. A lot of times when you go to seminary or Bible college or somewhere like this, these are the passages that they reserve for pastors. But they're not only for pastors. Pastors need to know these things because you need a pastor that preaches the word of God, that opens it up and helps you understand what God has for you every given week so that it encourages you and exhorts you and sometimes rebukes you, but it sends you out into a world that is in peril, that is so messed up, they need little lights and salt all over the world. But the problem is sometimes we're not very good lights and sometimes we're not very salty when it comes to the words of Jesus Christ, but we should be salty when they taste as, guess what? I can taste that salt. And we should have lights so shining that they'll say, there's something a little weird about you. And you say, yes, there is. And I know who he is. Not that he's weird, but, but they think I'm weird because I believe in him. Paul says, uh, if, you have to, if they consider you a fool, let them consider if you a fool. That's okay. Be foolish to them because you're wise to God for believing in him and following him. See, there's an excitement and a passion that comes if you really understand what God has done for you. Sometimes you'll say, oh, I wasn't that bad of a person. No, but you could have been. It was only by the grace of God that you weren't that bad of a person. And really having that attitude, maybe you're really more bad than what you think. Because your pride and your arrogance is going to be the ruin of you if you don't be careful. So the reality is I am grateful as a young kid that Jesus showed up in my life. And I feel sorry for a lot of my family members because he didn't show up for them. Well, he showed up for them, but they didn't receive him. And, uh, and so I can't, I can't understand all of that. I can't understand why he protected me in some ways and why some of my family went through that misery, except for the fact I responded positively to the message. And guess what? There's a lot of Ricks. That's my name, Rick Wilson. Actually, my name is Ricky Dean Wilson. It's a kind of a trick in my family. R-I-C-K-E-Y, Dean Wilson. Yeah, I live in the South now, which is kind of a common name. They go, oh, you must be a Southern boy. Boy, no, I'm not. But the thing is, there's a lot of Ricks out in this community. Not their names are Ricks, but people that need Jesus. There's, there's a lot of you, you. You guys have families? Are they all saved? Wow, that's a mission field, and it's hard, isn't it? But guess what? You can share with them about the love of Jesus. Look at these passages with me. Let me challenge you. Not 
pry into your life, not scold you, not to do anything like that, but just to say, all of us are in the same place. We have this great treasure. His name is Jesus. We are filled by God, the Holy Spirit. And at the right time, doesn't he urge you and nudge you to speak up? And sometimes we, we don't want to do it and we pull away. And then later on, you, sit, you say to yourself, I should have said something. I should have done it. Well, that's God. That's God speaking to you and trying to help you speak up, speak up, speak up. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And this is 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. And by his appearing as his key kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Re- reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrines or sound teaching, and, uh, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachings to, to, to their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. At myths as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering, uh, suffering. But a key to this verse for me is... Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Each one of you can do the work of the evangelist. And each one of you, in a way, are shepherds, pastors, trying to reach out to people to, to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so this is why it's important to me to know these scriptures. What is important uh, for us is to preach the word. But let's change that word just a little bit because we can't. Preach is only one way. In some translation, it says proclaim. Proclaim the word. To talk about Jesus, tell people, to put it out there and say, this is who Jesus is. So to proclaim the world, not only leaders should do that, and all of them stood up a minute ago, not only should they be proclaiming Jesus, not only to this congregation, but to people outside of the congregation. Down in Pinecone, it's not called Pinecone, is it? Pinebush. Down in Pinebush. <laughs> You know, they, 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 have a, they have a little, like, uh, street blocked off, and you can go down there. Did you know I talked at least to, I got, you know, I got ditched in Pine Bush two times. Uh, it's, it's Pine Bush? Pine Bush. Pine Bush. By, by uh, Sherry and Diana. Every time I turned around, they were gone. It remind me of the time that my mom purposely lost me in the Illinois State Fair. Now, she says she didn't do it, but I found her again. She took me home. But... But the thing is, is that just walking through that, that little area, I talked about harmony to at least seven different people. Can you imagine that? We, you, you can do it because you go up and you listen. I talked to the karate people. And they are so humble. You know, they won't brag about anything. Karate people don't brag about stuff. It's not like on the movies where I'm a karate guy. I can break up. They, they're, they're really humble people, aren't they? And so I got to talk to them, told them where I was going to be this Sunday. Is anybody from Pine Bush here? I'm not, oh, did I talk to you yesterday? Oh, shoot. I said, see, there it works. But, but you do that. That's what you do. It just comes natural. And so what Paul is saying here is that, listen, preaching the word is our priority. We need to have a priority in our life. I, and, and not only uh, we love our families, we love our, I would die for my wife. She wishes I would just do more in the house, but I would die for her. <laughs> You know, but the thing is, is that, and that's true, and she knows it. 
She knows I love her. Even sometimes I have to remind her just by saying it over and over again. Jesus, Jesus knows I love him. But what's my priority there? The priority then, and, and really that word just means to, to have the most important value in what it is. So if we value Jesus, what, would we do, what do we do? Talk about him. You're going you're gonna to be married. You have friends, right? You tell your friends about your girl. You know why? Because you're so in love with her and you value her. You can't wait. Hey, look at my girl. <laughs> pretty, pretty nice looking girl, huh? And she is so cool. And you talk about her all the time, huh? Did you know when I first got married to my wife, Diana? Well, even before then, before, I, before then, my sister says, why do you keep saying my wife, my wife? I said, because she is. <laughs> it's awesome. She is. So, so it's the same with Jesus. If there's this priority that you have in your life and the priority is preaching the word, who is the word? Jesus. Jesus became flesh and, and the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. So we have him. At our beckoning call, I mean, if you want to say it that, but honestly, he's the one that enters us and motivates us by God, the Holy Spirit in our life, just to speak up at the right time, at the right place, to do the things that he calls us to do. And it's not heavy handed stuff where you grab somebody in a headlock and says, I'm not leaving until you put your faith in Jesus. I've seen that happen, by the way. Uh, It didn't work. (laughs) That lady didn't really convert, but the missionary thought she did. But uh, it doesn't work. But the love of Christ is overwhelming. And, 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 and listen, I've been threatened. I've been laughed at. I've been made fun of. But I've also seen people come to the Lord. Some people think, man, you're the weirdest guy I've ever met. You think I'm weird, you ought to meet some of my other friends. <laughs> They're even weirder than I am because they speak even more than I do about Jesus. So it should be our priority. But there's some other verses there. And I think sometimes we get hung up in them. Like we need to reprove. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, it's correct. And sometimes, or almost always, always uh, gently doing it and kindly with an intent to convince somebody that they're in error. Because sometimes, you know, you have family members. I remember my sister, Barbara, she got saved at the same time I did, but she never lived it that way. She never lived that way. And I can remember talking to her on her deathbed. Well, before that, I talked to her several times. I talked to her many times. I drove my family crazy. It was like they turned off the lights when I came to the door. No, it wasn't that bad. Uh, but I remember talking to her one time. She said, well, Rick, I've decided to become part of the Baha'i faith. I said, you're going to become part of the behind faith? You know, and just a little pun on words there. Don't know if you caught that, but the behind faith. And she goes, she got mad at first. Then she thought about what I said and she started laughing. She says, no, I was just trying to mess with you. And I said, Barbara, you know, we went to the same church. You know, we, we put our faith in Jesus. You know this. And uh, I can remember then later on, just a few years back, she's on her deathbed because she didn't live well. She didn't have that life that I've had. And I can remember talking to her and saying, hey, listen, and her, one of her sons uh, wouldn't leave her alone with me because he wanted to see what I was going to say to her. And I said, Barbara, I said, you know, I love you. And she said, I do. I said, I, but I want you to know something. I said, there's, I want you to, there, there's, a, there's a warning here I want to give you. Where are you with Jesus? 
because you, you're going to pass and uh, you're going to die. And it's a hard, hard thing because your family members can get really mad at you when you do that. I can't believe he's talking about Jesus right now. But, but, but I had to take that chance. I had to take that. And, and I said, I'm going to talk about him. And uh, she says, I hear you. She says, here's what I know. I know that Jesus is my Savior. She says, I know that I'm going to die. And I know I'm going to be in heaven with him, not because I've, I've been good. It's because he has saved me. And <clears throat> you were talking about visions and stuff. I've never had really any visions. But I've had things that I believe that God has spoke to my heart about. One time I woke up and God had spoke to my heart. Why is my sister always in these problems? What happened to her? And it dawned on me that she must have been molested in her life, and, uh, which I never was. And, uh, uh, but several of my siblings were, my, my sister, my brother, but I was untouched. And so there's a battle that goes on in your mind, right? And I was very, you know, condemning of my sister for the longest time. Like, you're just a bad person. Why, you know, my brain is saying, I'm not telling her that. But my brain, you know how you can think. Why is she so like this? And then I called her. I couldn't wait to get up. It's, it was three hours different, she, or two hours different. She lives in Colorado. But I, the time I knew that she would get up, I got on that phone. I called her. I said, Barbara, tell me about Uncle Alfred. And she goes, what do you want to know about Uncle Alfred? I said, how long was he molesting you? Now, I see, I didn't know, but, but I figured it out. I figured it out just thinking and, 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 and having a dream one night. And she says, how do you know that? I said, I don't. God told me last night in my dream, in my sleep. And he says, most of my life as a young girl, as an itty-bitty six, seven-year-old girl from until she was grown. And I, my whole attitude changed. See, I didn't understand, but yet my, my sister fought this battle that I couldn't understand if she would have opened up with me. I could have shared the freedom in Christ that that's not you, that was him. And you can, you can get over this thing. And that's why you need to be the word to people. You, it's, a, it's, a, it's a priority, but also, let me tell you something. Uh, it, 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 uh, it, 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 sometimes you have to use these words of warning and this reprove is really that it's, it's, uh, to kindly try to correct people in their thinking because she was thinking, uh, God isn't there for her. Uh, she, she, she doesn't need, and I know that this a lot of times is used for discipline in the church, but it's more than that. It's also used for evangelism because the word, it says this. You know, be the evangelist. So correcting in, in, a, in a gentle way. I mean, if I'm kind and gentle and I love you with all my heart and I'm reaching out to you, you'll listen to me a little bit more, won't you? As I'm in your face. But, but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's what you want to be. You want to correct and to teach. And, it's, and sometimes you have to use these words. But understand the words that the, that the scripture is saying. This reprove is in a gentle, kind way with an intent. And sometimes you have to argue. But many times you have to urge people. Why, are, why is this happening to you? You don't have to be there. You can get out of it. And, uh, and, I, and I did the same thing with my brothers. But then there's another word there. That, that you go on, it says also to rebuke. Now, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? 
I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You know, something like that. But rebuke has an, an, an idea, too, of warning and talk about disapproval, but in an earnest manner, in an earnest manner like Jesus would do. Remember the time, do you think Jesus loved the apostle Peter? Loved him, huh? But remember what he said to him? Get behind me, Satan. Because what you're saying isn't the truth. Get behind me. And sometimes you have to have that motive. But it has to be in a way where you have that platform to speak to people. Because they know they love you. They know you're committed to them. And they know that you have the best interest for them. And that is to see them in the beautiful hands of Jesus. And so, how about my brother Johnny? He's 73 years old now. And and really probably won't make 75. Because he lived, and and he's the one that, because of selling beer out of his trunk, got me saved indirectly. I mean, I was dragged to church, not even knowing what I, you know, I didn't know anything about church, but got saved. And yet, when he was about 65 years old, I was talking to him on the phone, and I said, Johnny, how are you doing? And I always would ask him, and we would talk about Jesus. Yeah, I know, I know. I remember those things the pastor taught me. And I said, he says, how are you, I said, how are you doing? About 65 years old. He says, well, I'm doing better. I'm not taking meth anymore. And I said, meth? I didn't even know he was on meth. I had no idea. They, they called me Leave It the Beaver, by the way. Do you remember that show? Because I was that kid. It was like I was like clueless on so many things. Uh, not that clueless because I wasn't that innocent either. So I want to be, I want to disclose I'm not, I'm not necessarily beaver, but in a lot of ways I was. And so, and if you don't know who Leave It the Beaver is, look it up on YouTube, young people. You can, you can find him. Doesn't look like me, but I was a lot like that kid. Anyway, he, he, he would tell me, I was shocked. But I just saw him last week, uh, and it was good. And uh, he confirmed to me that he says, I, I believe. And, and, and I have been baptized again in, in the church here. He says, I know I, I, I need to go. He says, but I fall asleep because he's so weak. Because he did so many drugs and, and, and different types of things over the life. And, and just about a year and a half ago, he stopped drinking, which was a big thing for my family. And so I understand. I understand the mess that's out there. But we have somebody that unmesses things. I don't know if you can say it that way, but it's messy. He unmesses it. But it takes somebody bold enough to at least reprove and sometimes rebuke these things. But do it in a way that is honest and good and sincere and loving and kind because they know that they, you have. Or how about exhort? It, it, exhort really has this idea of giving advice or uh, being more like apologetic about things. It's trying to build this understanding as you talk to people about Jesus. So when you go out there, maybe you tell somebody, hey, Jesus loves you. And, he's, and then they ask you 14 questions and you say, oh, next week I'm going to have chapter two on this. And you go and find out some of the things that you need to know. Go ask the pastor. You keep him busy so much during the week. He'll be so wore out on Sunday. His sermons will be so- shorter. And so, but you go ask him. You go ask him, hey, what about this? I have had these questions. If you do that, he would probably go bald-headed like Corey. Nothing against that. 
I love bald-headed people. Because he would be so busy in this and people would be so bothering and he'd be so shocked that we're actually moving towards those things. It's hard to talk about Jesus because you know how it is. It's like you talk about anxiety. We talk about, I started a class, or I didn't start it. I took over a class of 100 people once in seminary. And I knew I shouldn't have did, did it, but the guy that he kept begging me said, I'll do it. I showed up and I, I had a card made that says, uh, know him and make him known. And that was going to be our evangelistic card for, for the class. That week, there was like five people in that class. Before, there was a hundred. First week I had it, there was five. The following week, there was zero because it was going to be an evangelistic class. Guess what? Went to zero. And I can remember Adam was like, I don't know what he's, five or six years old, maybe seven. He looks at me and he goes, Dad, he said, don't worry about it because next week we're going to fill this class. And I said, I don't think it's going to happen. It never did. So you have your disappointments. But guess what? It's okay. God has a plan for you and the message, the word of God that he has for you. And so this, this idea of exhort is really a good word because we live in perilous times. Perilous times where people, and that's why we need to be these kind of people, because we live in perilous times where people are believing their own junk. I sat on an airplane with a lady that just got out of rehab, and she was taught uh, a, a weird philosophy. You know what the philosophy was? We're all dead. We just don't know it. And I said, really? So how does that work? She says, well, sometime we'll wake up in our deadness and we'll be in that other place where God or whoever will put us. And I said, we're dead right now. And I said, yeah, and we were on like this uh, nine or ten hour trip to, to Africa. And this one was going to South Africa, so maybe it was like 13 hours. And it was the longest trip, and I was against the window. I couldn't get out. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know it's, it's one of those cabins where they give you oars so that it's the cheap seats. And, you're, you know, nothing worked on the seat. You know, I think the people threw up in it before I got in it. It was a mess. And so I'm sitting there, and she's telling me this philosophy. And, she, and I said, you believe that? And she goes, yeah. Then I shared Jesus with her. And at the end of it, I said, you, you believe your philosophy? She says, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that philosophy is right. I said, no, because if, you were, if we were dead, I wish I'd wake up right now because this flight is miserable. <laughs> it was the worst flight I'd ever been on in my life. It was miserable. And uh, so, but think about what people believe. Think, I mean, you hear the stories. What do you believe should be Jesus and nothing else? Because that's who saves you. So there's sort of the things that I wanted to get at. So preaching the word is something that we have to be as perilous. It's serious, that word means. It's immediate danger that people are in. Because if they die, guess what? There is a heaven and there is a there is a hell. And it's not and you'll say, Oh, Jesus was a loving guy. He talked more about hell than he did about love. But it's not that we go around and say, Hey, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. That's not what we do. We go around and we say, we, if you believe in Jesus, it, it, Jesus will be there in, in the end. And when, when you die and you pass into that earth, eternity, guess who's going to be there? It's going to be Jesus. And he's going to look at you and he's going to say, hey, what's your name, by the way? Your name. What's your name? Vernell. You say, Vernell. I've been waiting a long time for you. Come on in, good and faithful servant. He's going to give you a hug. Is that going to be a joyous day? Why not share that with other people? Can you imagine that day of meeting Jesus face to face? He's going to hug you. You're going to be falling on your feet. You're going to be praying. You're going to say, 
thank goodness I finally get to see you after all these years. And then all those other people, the people that were responsible for my salvation, other people that were responsible because I was faithful, isn't it going to be a great, glorious day? Why not share that? Because these people are living in perilous times. They're, they're lost and they're not going to have that experience. They're going to go to a other place that we don't want anybody to go to, right? Amen. That's why God has called us to preach the word and do it in season. In season is really good. Forgot to talk about that because it's an easy one. You go up to somebody, you start talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden, boom, they put their faith in Jesus. You go, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to go try the next day. Out of season, those guys are a lot harder. They may be Muslim, they may be Jewish, they may be Mormons, they may be Jehovah's Witness. They just may be the paganest pagan guy you've ever met in your life. Those are the ones that are out of season, aren't it? Those are hard ones. Those are hard ones to reach. But God has called us to all people because of the love of Christ that, that, that pushes us forward to express that message of Jesus. So how can we do this? I want to share another passage and I think I'm, we're going we're gonna to get out in time to beat the Methodists to the church. Oh, you don't have to worry about the Methodists because we're having food here. So you don't have to worry about the diners. You can eat here. So I just want to share one other uh, scripture with you. And it's the scripture. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to give you the passage in Matthew 1, 21 to 23. It's the birth of Jesus where Jesus became flesh. And it says, God that he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. But did you realize back in the Garden of Eden, God was there? And I just heard a great sermon on this. But God was there in the Garden of Eden. And do you realize that in the tabernacle, God tabernacled with men? Then when God became flesh, he was there among among, and he was tabernacling with them, but in the flesh of the man. But when he left... God is still with us because he tabernacles inside of us with God, the Holy Spirit, that tells us about who? About Jesus. Who told us about who? He told us about the Father. So this triune God is in us. Ah, you can't have passion over that. You should have all kinds of passion that God is is a holy God, but yet he lives in you and drives you forward to, 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 to talk about him. All the way from the Old Testament to Revelation. And at the end of Revelation, guess what? We find ourselves at the throne of God, worshiping him and bowing down and confessing that he is the Lord and Savior, the God all, Almighty. I had a bunch of other stuff, but I don't have the time to share it. But I want to share this. The way we've been able to do anything is that we understood who Jesus is. I know... Uh, the why and is and Jesus. Why do I do what I do? It is Jesus. The how is what we have to learn. How do we now share that message to others? So yeah, we've seen churches start. We've seen people saved. We've seen uh, orphans helped. We've seen all this. Th- and I can tell you, it wasn't because of Diana and I. It was because we were faithful to preach the word in season and out of season to a world that is in peril. That, 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 that if, it, if they don't hear the word, there's no hope for them unless we preach it. So I had a little video for you. I think we can show it. It's how long is that video? That's 1.7.
Is what? At 427. You know what? You watch this video on your own. But it's by God, God with us, by mercy me. It's a great, it's a great song. Because God is with us, how can we fail? If God is there using us at the right time to speak Jesus. And let me tell you, it, it, it's, it's sometimes not easy. I remember a Muslim guy, uh, one time I met, he was an ambassador uh, uh, for the embassy of uh, Egypt. And he, my son was in school with his son. And I remember him coming to me. And he's saying, hey, are you Adam's son? His, his, his son was named Adam too. And he said, yeah, I'm Adam's son. Oh, my son is Adam. Oh, yeah, I know Adam. He's a great little kid. And he goes, so are you this guy that really believes that Jesus died, that he was buried, and he was resurrected, and he's living right now, uh, and, and that he's God in the flesh? And I said, yes. He says, wait a minute. I'm going to get my wife. Got his wife, and he told her, tell, tell my wife what you just told me. I told her too, and I'm excited. I think, hey, Muslim guys want to hear about Jesus. And then they started laughing at me. So I know. So I just laughed out loud, and I said, well, that was kind of a little bit embarrassing at first, but I thought about it, and I said, well, at least I gave him the gospel. Good. You know, and you do the best you can do. Let me encourage you. If you want this church to explode, let the spirituality of the Holy Spirit come alive in you. And tell your family, love them. Love them by telling them. Love your neighbor by telling them. Love the people that you meet by telling them. And I know we live in perilous times. And you have to be careful. But not that careful. Because if they don't hear it from you, who will they hear it from? Will they hear some whacked out thing that says you can believe whatever you want? Jesus likes you just the way you are? No, he doesn't. He likes you because he created you. You. He loves you for that reason. But he doesn't like the bad things, the things that you could become. He likes you the way you could be when you put your faith in him. Please, if anything, preach the word. Jesus, the word that became flesh, the one who dwells with us, the one that, 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 that the scriptures teaches that he is with us. Let me pray. God, our Father, I thank you for each and every person here. I ask that you bless them, that you watch over them, you keep them safe. Father, what we talked about is so simple, but it's frightening and hard. Bless them. Let them walk away with excitement. And give them the spirit of truth so that they can tell one person about Jesus this next week. Wear the pastor out so that when they go out, They'll be like the disciples coming back with all kinds of great messages about what has happened because they shared Jesus. Father, with all my hearts, I don't know where they come from. I don't know what their problems is, but I know that you love them. I know you have the best for them. As soon as they cry out to you, God, fill them with God the Holy Spirit and guide them. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. I plead with you, Jesus. Bless these people. Amen.